Preventing suicide is one of society's greatest challenges. That's why the Flint Hills Volunteer Center has developed this Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. Pact stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, Training. This Suicide Awareness Pact podcast will feature personal stories and professional perspectives. This podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorp Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Our hope is to touch hearts and provide hope amidst despair. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope. Our website and contact information is included in the show notes. Lori, we have one guest and a couple of bonus guests in the studio today, and this is going to be an exciting discussion. This is uh, something that's very impactful for those that serve our country. Yes, and I'm I'm very excited today. I, I we have with us Mark Clausen with the uh, Fort Riley USO, uh, and I heard you speak uh, recently, and you brought your two guests in Remington and Farley, and I was really fascinated with that, and and it it ties in with what our theme is of what I'm wanting to accomplish with these podcasts is our acronym is Prevention Awareness Compassion and Training, and I want to hit all angles of it in our in our suicide awareness because mental health is a factor, and then being here at Fort Riley uh, with all of our soldiers. Tell us a little about you, the USO, and, and, and what you have going on with, with these two service dogs. I'm the executive director for USO Kansas. Um, we do provide services throughout the state. Um, we have one physical presence uh, here at Fort Riley, and then we also do things for Fort Leavenworth, for McConnell Air Force Base, for the National Guard and Reserve. I've been several times to Salina, uh, to Topeka. And in fact, I've got an event on Friday in Salina for a Marine contingency that is coming from all over the country to do some training at Salina and at the Smoky Hill Gun Range. Um, And so what we try and do is we try and provide services and programs that keep families and their service members connected and the service members connected to their home and their country when they're deployed. So anything we can do to help boost morale, um, good feelings, camaraderie, uh, all those things that try and keep the mental part of things in the positive, uh, we try and, and put on programs that will, will help uh, promote that. That's so important. Uh, and I don't think a, a lot of people that aren't military connected know about what our, our soldiers go through with the the PTSD and all of the uh, different angles uh, uh, of serving our country. So uh, tell us a little bit. You, you've got with us some uh, therapy dogs, and uh, I've been really fascinated. I, I saw them walking around, and they've got their little vests on. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with with your dogs. When I first started at USO, I went and uh, did a co-event with USO Missouri, and they have uh, comfort and therapy dogs there. And I saw the impact and the effect that they had on people, and I knew I wanted to bring that type of program here. Um, One, I love dogs, so that was kind of a a, a given. But I saw the impact. I, I saw a veteran from the Vietnam era sit down on the floor, hug on to one of their dogs, and cry in the middle of 5,000 people because he remembered memories of serving and that the dog was wearing one of his company patches. And so it just triggered something. And I, and I saw that dog work with the soul, the veteran and, and the impact that, that, 
that bond made. And, and I knew I wanted to do something like that because Fort Riley is a very up-tempo installation, which means they're always doing something. Um, because of the downsizing that happened many years ago, um, they're down a brigade from what another installation might have. So they always have someone deployed to Korea. They always have someone deployed to Europe. And then they have the smaller partial brigades doing things back on base. And then when someone comes back from deployment, all of a sudden they're going off to NTC training. And and so they're always on an up-tempo. And so that causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And the, the dogs have helped. We had a unit in today that had something planned for a they call it wellness day or, or foundation day. And it's, it's basically just to help promote camaraderie, uh, mental health and mental wellness. Uh, and it was something start, started by general Sims or at least very heavily endorsed by general Sims when he was here and that fell through and they came into the USO and I happened to be walking with the dogs and for the next 45 minutes, there were 20 of the guys and gals, uh, playing with the dogs and playing a little bit of pool, but I've got all kinds of photos of them laying around on the floor, hugging on them and petting on them and, and just having a good time taking selfies. And it's a great way to have someone de-stress. Are these dogs trained that they can be in a, a big open room and they know to go up and will they sense that in, in a soldier? Um, Farley will. Um, Farley's had more training than Remington. They're both rescue dogs. And I do have to put in a plug for Warrior's Best Friend. They're the organization that did the training of the dogs. They're an amazing group in Kansas City. One of the things that I am most intrigued by is the fact that they're both rescues. So they go out and they search for dogs from Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, and and they'll, they'll they may look through three or four hundred dogs to find the type of dog for the particular task that they're looking for. I think back to after my son passed, and it's always stuck in my head uh, about my little fox terrier. After my son passed, my dog Jasper would never leave my side, never. I mean, I, I had no free time because he was always there. And so, uh, you know, we were speaking about that. And, and now after speaking with you, I understand he sensed that in me. Is there some kind of chemicals? What I've read, um, once we got the dogs, I did a lot more research about comfort therapy, service, trying to find the the factors that are different amongst all the different uh, labels of, of service animals. And they sense everything by smell. Um, they're supposed to be chemical scents that are given off with anxiety or depression, the, that, and they sense that different scent. And I've, I've read that you know dogs have the ability to differentiate about 260,000 different smells. And, and so there's something chemically, it's, it's similar to when they sense uh, a person's going to go into epileptic seizure or shock, um, diabetic instances, those service dogs, they also do that by scent. And it's just, I mean, think about the cadaver dogs, you know, when they have them out on the lake and they can smell something coming up from the air bubbles. I mean, it's all scent based. Do you have some experiences that you've been a part of where these dogs have come up and and really triggered someone's reaction? We have. Um, so w the first one that happened, I wasn't really aware of what was going on until after it happened. But we were uh, at a, a, an event um, in one of the motor pools, taking the dogs around. We were taking some coffee and donuts to everybody and, and uh, trying to boost morale. And uh, there was a small group that got together and, and one young soldier was squatted down petting on Farley. And before I really noticed, he had leaned into him hard enough to get him to sit down. 
And pretty soon then he's crawling into him and the soldier is laying on his back, you know, rubbing and, and uh, giving the appearance of being very uh, happy that uh, Farley was there and he was missing his dog back home. And I was explaining how, you know, he's trained to pick up on anxiety and depression. And, and I stood up and one of his uh, sergeants made a comment that uh, the kid was, had really been going through some things. Um, it had gotten pretty serious. I did not realize how much that the dog had made an impact on that soldier that day. And I said, well, I, you know, thank you. We're at the center. You can bring him by anytime. And they did bring him by a couple more times. And he ended up going in and, and getting some counseling. And I'm glad to hear that because that's, that's one of the things that we wanted to do with all of this, with the, the podcasts and stuff. And, you know, we have so many that are our soldiers and, and uh, those that are still re- retired even that might struggle. How, how do they, do they approach you? If you have a soldier that's struggling, do they feel comfortable coming and saying to you, to someone, you know, I, I, I need some help. I'm, I'm struggling. It, it really depends on the individual, just like any other situation. Um, I have had uh, individuals coming in civilian clothes, so I'm not sure if they were service members or family members, but I've had some of them come in obviously upset. You know, um, humans can also tell when people aren't feeling well. They asked if the dogs were in and they really need to spend some time with the dogs. So they do. And there's others that come in and may not think that they need something, um, you know, need to see the dogs but then end up spending a half hour, 45 minutes sitting on the couch or on the floor, just petting them. Early in Remington, are they at the USO all the time? Unless I'm doing something like this or, uh, you know, if I take them to Fort Leavenworth or to McConnell Air Force Base, they may not be at the center. Um, But traditionally, yes, they're at the center Monday through Friday. I am Farley's primary handler. And then Katie is my programs manager and she is Remington's primary handler. They pretty much go where you go? Yep. It's pretty awesome. It's a, a great perk of this job. And Lori, they each have their own Instagrams and all kinds of social media pages that yep. people get to follow along. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I know I've been, uh, like I said, uh, it's a military relations lunch and I, I saw you at, and then you were speaking and I saw the dogs kind of wandering around going out to people and yeah. stuff. And I just thought that was really, really amazing. And I, you know, just sitting here, I have a smile on my face, just watching these dogs, you know, and, and that, and it's like, now I can kind of relate in my head what it's got to be like for a soldier, you know, to have one of them come up, you know, to them. Just to put a thought in there too is Fort Riley may be the first uh, assigned base for a young soldier that has their first duty station. And they've gone to um, basic training, to uh, advanced infantry training course, whatever. And so they may not have been home for several months and seen their, they may not have seen anybody in their family. And then to be able to come into the center and uh, see the dogs, I get all kinds of comments about how much they miss their dog back home. And they appreciate being able to come in and, and see Farley and Remington and just kind of hang out. And I haven't found one person that after starting to pet either one of them, if they pet them for five minutes, they pet them for 20 or 30. If they pet them just a couple times, they can walk away. But otherwise, they, they, they tend to stay there. And, and it's scientifically proven that it's a very uh, de-stressing situation to stroke an animal, um, to pet them, and um, your heart rate drops, your blood pressure lowers. I mean, all those things that uh, cause you a little anxiety and and, and uh, 
stress, uh, anything else like that, that it, it calms you down. Yeah. I know when my son joined the Air Force uh, several years ago and and went away, so we didn't see him for like a couple of months. And when he came home, it was like his dog, uh, who later became my dog, but uh, Jasper just, oh my goodness, he just wouldn't leave his sight. And then when my son left, it, like he was just going around all the time and then he stayed on his bed in the room thinking he's coming back, you know. And then when my son got to his duty station, he had to get a dog, you know, and stuff. So they are, uh, as they say, a man's best friend. So that's Definitely. that's really cool. But with what we have with our soldiers, and we hear so much about, you know, the, the suicide rate and we hear about the PTSD. And, you know, I, I think we should be very proud of what we have here in our community as far as resources and the uh, and what Fort Riley is doing. You, you talked about General Sims and the Victory Wellness Program. And when he introduced that, he also encouraged soldiers to volunteer. And we have just been inundated with soldiers wanting to volunteer. And it's just been such a rewarding experience that we can, you know, they're away from home. You know, they have no family here. They're away from their loved ones and go out and serve. And that's what's great about having our veteran volunteers because they serve their country and they're still serving their community. And so I, I think that's just really nice that we can be there for our, our soldiers here. It's, it's definitely a, a benefit to get them involved um, you know, you're you're less likely to enter into a stage of depression or, or anxiousness if you're active and doing things to make you think about other stuff and, and maybe realize that it's not whatever is bothering you. It may not be as bad as what you think it is because you found other things to um, focus on. I think Lori may be having some anxiety issues here during the show because <laughs> Remington just came right up and said, hey. I'm here for you. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to work here for they're, us today. Uh, no, they're just needing, they know I like to pet and and, and uh, scratch their little neck here. Uh, they <laughs> and well they enjoy love. that. They, they love the attention. Mark, this is not necessarily a unique program for the USO. It isn't now. Um, so uh, USO nationally is starting a canine program um, this summer. And uh, they've seen the impact and the effect at various places like Missouri with us, with Alaska. Um, and they have done a lot of research and seen the impact of comfort and therapy dogs. So they are uh, implementing a canine program that will have three different opportunities. And one is something along the lines of what we do with comfort and therapy dogs. Um, one is with uh, just supporting the local canine units on whatever installation, um, you know, you typically think of the working military dogs. And then the final one is working with some uh, family opportunities where they can bring in personal pets and um, have a, a day at the USO or whatever and, and have a canine day or a cat day. And, you know, we have done some things with Red Cross where they've done some um, mental health type classes and we've brought these guys in. We've brought cats. You know, not everybody's a dog person. Earlier this week, I asked, I had somebody ask me if we have any therapy cats. Is there such a thing? Not necessarily trained, but there are opportunities where people will bring in kittens and and just have that chance to interact and pet and play and 
you know, it, once again, you're, Hear you're, the stimulate, you're stimulating your mind in a positive way and, and that helps counteract the, the depressive things and the anxious things. Yeah. And I think that's so important, you know, like I said, to, to be a community like we are here that um, we're welcoming to all of our soldiers and, and that we all work together to make sure that they do, they do stay healthy and that. And I, I think what you're doing is just fabulous i think it's a, a amazing thing it, it's very rewarding i mean the the uso program as a whole is and for a lot of people they know me i've been here in manhattan for a long time done several different things um, from private business to different nonprofits. but this is absolutely the most rewarding job i've ever had um you know like any other nonprofit, you're not getting rich but i am getting rich in experiences of of goodwill um you know, the, the military community does so much for us as a nation. And um, having never served, it's an opportunity to try and give back a little bit. Um, it's not giving what they give on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, to try and show how much they mean to me. Um, and it's it's a, a neat way of giving back. And, you know, when you got four furry fr- or four-footed furry friends to take with you, you're always welcome in almost everywhere. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I have uh, two granddaughters that would love to <laughs> come visit you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm always the, you know, hey, it's Remy, it's Farlington. Oh, hi, Mark. How are you doing? You know, but, and I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I want them to, to be the, the center of attention and, and I want them to do what they can do. You know, we talked about a little bit about comfort and therapy and, and Farley is actually trained to pick up on anxiety and depression. And um, you were talking about being in a group. If you put him in a room and someone is is uh, under, the, under the weather a little bit mentally, um, he's going to pick up on that and he'll try and work with that person unless somebody offers him belly rubs. And then he kind of gets distracted. But if I take them into a room and tell them to visit, they will actually work the room like a politician. It's just, um, they're very good about getting out and saying hi to everybody and they want everybody to pet on them. And if they sense something, they'll stop. Do they stay, would Farley stay with that person? Um, until I, until I came or left the room. So you were talking about the bonding with your son. Uh Both of them now have bonded with me really well. If I leave the room, they may stay there four or five minutes, but they're going to get up and come look for me. Right. Um, if I command them to stay there, they will stay until they're they're released um but for the most part they'll stay with that person as long as i'm in the room and you know uh or if the person is like i'm that's enough and you know so you're alerted to that fact a little bit yeah Yeah. i i watch to see how uh the person's interacting with the dogs um if they're just petting on them and they stay there because they're um, petting the dog's enjoying the petting Uh um you can tell because he just lays by them um, if he's sensing something, he's going to be more body weights and pressures. Um, they have a comfort command, which is just, you know, they'll, they'll put a paw up on you or um, Remington likes to actually give hugs and um, he'll, uh, on command, he'll give you a hug or whatever. You can hear Farley in the background. As soon as he's like, I need a hug now. You know, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I, I must be feeling pretty good about myself right now because Farley hasn't come over to say hi at all. He's not checking in on maybe me. Maybe I need to let go of the leash because oh, maybe that's why that he's, maybe he wants that to come hits. see you okay. with the wine. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, I, I know that they have become family to you and uh, to Katie also. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, they're, a, it's, they're f- it's just a great experience. In I real bet. honesty, they're family to Fort Riley. I, there's been several times I've had 
Farley with me on a weekend at, at Walmart or Home Depot or, and I've had people run up and it's like, it's Farley, it's Farley. You know, they, they recognize them. Um, they've had lots of interactions, um, and they're, they're developing uh, a good kinship with, with everybody out there. And we were talking uh, earlier uh, about approaching someone with a service dog. And if it, because I, I remember once years ago, I went up to pet one and I was told, no, don't do that, that, you know, they have to focus on that person. Can you explain a little more about that? In all honesty, it should always be a, a an approach to the owner, whether they're in a working vest or not. You should always approach the owner if you want to pet the dog. For one, you don't know the personality. Is the dog scared? More likely to bite. Mm-hmm. Is the dog aggressive? More likely to bite. So it's always uh, the best practices. If you see a pet that's out there and you would like to pay attention to it, to ask the owner. But if they're in a working vest, you should most definitely always ask, is it okay to approach the dog? Because when they're working, they're supposed to focus on that task. Right. And, and there's a difference between comfort and therapy dog versus service dog. Right. A service dog is always a working dog. Um, and those are those are the definite no-nos of just coming up and start petting. I think that's good to that we let people know that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and most people have been taught it, but it's still, you see a cute dog or a handsome dog or whatever, and, and you want to go touch it because they're so neat and attractive. But yeah. um, I keep uh, a service patch on Farley. Even though we utilize him as a comfort and therapy dog, I keep the service patch on there to help train kids. You know, like we have them come up and I say, if you ever see this, you can't just walk up and pet them. You have to ask and and if you see this one with therapy on there, you should ask. You know, safe practices always ask the owner, yeah. even if they're not in a vest. That's that's good to know. But it's really a program of goodwill. Yes, definitely. And you know, it's it's also uh, an opportunity for marketing. I mean, you have a dog that is either so funny looking, it's cute, or just so handsome that's good looking and cute. Um, people want to pay attention, and it gives you the opportunity to talk about the program. And then an even better opportunity to talk about the USO. Right. And, and so they're they're great ambassadors. Um, we were actually at a uh, private showing of Top Gun 2 this last Saturday on a request to bring the dogs up there. We went to Kansas City. Mark wouldn't have been invited to that, you know. Uh, you know, so I, I ride their coattails sometimes. But it was really neat. They got to interact with 350 people. And I got the opportunity to tell the story of the USO and what we're doing here in the state of Kansas increased a lot of awareness about how people could help. And and so it's a great opportunity. Yeah, and I, I just want to thank you for, for what you're doing and, and uh, what the USO can provide and, and especially what you're doing with Remington and Farley. I just I, I think we're very blessed here in, in the Manhattan and Fort Riley area. So thank you for that. Sure. I'm glad to be able to do it. And I hope people realize, I know the focus today was on the dogs, but this is just one little program that the USO offers for our service members and in, in hoping to keep their morale up so that they don't get depressed. We hope you or someone you love can benefit from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources available. Many are listed in our show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center Suicide Awareness Pact podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope.